0: You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on Public Radio, KUNV 91.5.
1: Please be advised that the voices and opinions you may hear do not necessarily represent the views of KUNV Las Vegas, the University of Nevada Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Run for Step into the jungle said so no they move up Never gonna win a but when I come through, you know what I love I send shots for your team and welcome, welcome to the, the chemical, chemical collective.
0: collective i'm Kendra McLaughlin
1: and i am April Contreras and this
0: is a radio show where every week we dive into the fascinating and complex world of drugs and drug culture
1: hosted by experienced neuroscientists and experts in the field This show covers a range of topics, including the latest research on drug use, the neural mechanism of drug action and abuse, and the cultural significance of drugs in society.
0: Whether you're a casual listener
1: or a professional in the field, the Chemical Collective will offer you your weekly dose of valuable insights and perspectives on one of the most pressing issues of our time.
0: Okay, I can't hold it in any longer. I'm super excited because today we're talking about a very hot topic, the state of the current psychedelic renaissance.
1: Yeah, Kendra, believe me, I feel exactly the same way. I'm always itching to talk about this topic. Psychedelic substances are making major headlines Mm -hmm. in both science and culture, um, popular culture. So the psychedelic renaissance is a great topic for our very first episode of The Chemical Collective.
0: Couldn't agree more. And lucky for us, April here has a research background in psychedelics and can help us take a deep dive into understanding what psychedelics are and the recent interest in psychedelics. So, April, can you tell us a little bit about what the current quote-unquote psychedelic renaissance even is, because when I think about the renaissance, I think about either the Harlem renaissance or Beyonce's new album.
1: (laughs) Trust me, both the Harlem renaissance (laughs) and all of Beyonce's albums deserve their own radio shows. (laughs) But um, to begin, I think it's really critical to acknowledge that we're face-to-face with uh, mental health crisis, absolutely, yeah, and mental health disorders are actually one of the largest contributors to the global burden of disease, mm. and psychopharmacology has um despite a lot of time and money failed to develop novel, efficacious treatments for patients that are you know living with these mental health conditions day to day, and the current psychedelic renaissance can really be considered um, a response to this failure. And um, the Renaissance is a resurgence of interest and research into the therapeutic and medicinal potential of um, substances like LSD, psilocybin, or probably more well-known as magic mushrooms or shrooms, um, and other compounds that might be a little less known, like DMT. Oh, okay. Wow, that's super cool. Like, um, how did all of this start? Yeah, great question. Um, This resurgence was really ignited in 2010 following the first published randomized controlled trial of MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for severe post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. Mm. And it's still being driven by new scientific studies um, that are being published and talked about every single day. It's really hot. That have shown that the Potential benefits of these substances are really exciting and can be used to treat a range of mental health conditions.
0: Oh, okay. Now, my head is spinning a little bit. You did earlier just kind of list off a handful of substances. I think that um, it was something like LSD. you You mentioned psilocybin, I think, and DMT. Do you mind unpacking like what these drugs are and kind of like maybe the differences between them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, you want to take a step back and take a look at the bigger picture. So psychedelics are a class of hallucinogenic substances. And the term psychedelic itself is loosely derived from the Greek words meaning mind manifesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. And these drugs change the way you perceive reality. They can change your mood and even your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Second, while LSD, psilocybin, and DMT fit under the umbrella of psychedelics, there are some key differences in their origin, the plant they came from, or whether they're brand new novel synthetic compounds, um, how they act or work in the brain. And each of these factors le- lend them to having their own unique benefits. Mm, wow. Okay. So how do psychedelics work? Yeah, great question. So psychedelics work by interacting with specific receptors in the brain. And so what's what's a receptor? Yeah. Receptors are proteins Mm -hmm. that are existing on the surface of cells in the brain. And when serotonin molecules um, float around and bind to these receptors, it initiates change in neural activity and can alter the way that sensory information is being processed. And so this is why psychedelics can induce changes in perception and thoughts and emotion. Okay. I
0: do think it's really common to hear about psychedelics as this sort of umbrella term, but after your explanation of their origin and kind of like how they work, it kind of seems like they're unique in their own way. Earlier, you mentioned that these substances may have beneficial effects in treating a variety of mental health conditions. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about the potential benefits of psychedelics? Like, are these benefits just as unique as the substances themselves?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of evidence trying to examine, you know, the utility of different types of psychedelics for different mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. And The current scientific evidence suggests that psychedelics may have a number of therapeutic benefits. Mm. For example, yeah, they've been shown to reduce symptoms of severe depression, um, anxiety, and like I mentioned earlier, post-traumatic stress disorder Mm -hmm. or PTSD. Um, But besides um, treating mental health conditions, psychedelics are known to have benefits in enhancing um, other factors like creativity, Uh, general feelings of your well-being, your insight into yourself, and can even induce spiritual experiences. And Mm -hmm. um, studies are taking a look into all of these factors. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, However, it is important to note that um, the evidence that we have right now is promising. More research is still needed to fully understand the therapeutic potential of psychedelics, Um, So that we can figure out the most effective ways of using these substances in clinical settings, because everybody's different, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. That's certainly something that I think is important to keep in mind. Um, But... What exactly are some of these challenges or like risks that can be associated with psychedelics as a therapeutic? Because I know that when you're bringing this kind of topic to like a general population, people are going to have questions. And I think that'd be like one of the main ones. It's not all probably rainbows and sunshine, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's something that clinicians and scientists are really thinking about because. Psychedelics aren't the end-all, cure-all for everything, and Mm -hmm. not everybody should probably be taking a psychedelic to Mm -hmm. um, treat a mental health condition, but um, things to consider is that the primary risk associated with psychedelics are related to their effects on behavior and perception, and this can potentially lead to accidental harm or dangerous situations, Um, and there's even a risk of developing um, what's called a bad trip. Oh, wow. Okay, so
0: what does experiencing a bad trip entail? Like, is a bad trip, like, always something that's negative? Or
1: That's a really great question. So a bad trip refers to a difficult or really unpleasant experience, which occurs during um, or after the use of a psychedelic substance. And the effects of a bad trip can range from really intense feelings of anxiety, and fear to sometimes disturbing hallucinations and even paranoia. Wow. However, it's it's important to know, you know, that a bad trip doesn't always lead to a negative outcome and that the experience can actually sometimes provide valuable insights and opportunity for growth.
0: Okay. Is there anything that contributes specifically to have a bad trip? Like, are some people more prone to it than others?
1: Yeah, um, there are a number of factors that contribute to a bad trip or adverse reaction. Um, And this includes the fact that we're all unique individuals, right? Mm -hmm. We all have individual differences that um, affect how we respond to Mm -hmm. different substances. Um, The dose of the substance being taken is also something to consider. Um, The setting or place that you're going to be um, taking the substance and any pre-existing mental health conditions that you have. And this is why it's really critical for individuals when they're considering um, signing up for clinical trials or taking um, psychedelics that their safety is really kept in mind. Um, And a lot of research and intensive training is being um, done to provide the best patient care possible, For patients that are interested in seeking psychedelic-assisted treatment. Wow. That's definitely
0: something to keep in mind um, at the forefront. Like, I can't help but think what this might look like in a therapeutic setting. Like, maybe there'll be some sort of screening based off of where you start from. But um, I know that you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, Um, but do you mind expanding on how psychedelics are being used in a therapeutic setting today?
1: Yeah, this is a really intriguing topic, and I've been hearing a lot of news about it. Um, In therapeutic settings, psychedelics are being used in combination with psychotherapy or um, talk therapy uh, to treat different mental health conditions. And this approach is known as psychedelic-assisted therapy.
0: Okay, okay. So what does psychedelic-assisted therapy look like?
1: Yeah, um, well, there are a few different psychedelic-assisted therapy models Um, That different companies might follow, but generally the idea is to prepare the patient, the person coming to seek um, treatment. Um, You want to make them aware of all of the benefits and potential adverse effects of taking a psychedelic. Um, You want to make sure that you know um, that you're best prepared for what you're going to be going into. Definitely. Um, Then the patient receives the medicine um, in either one or multiple treatment sessions that probably depends on you know the person's individual um differences mm-hmm. the treatment um that they're actually taking and the mental health condition that they're hoping to uh to treat okay and then afterward um the there's this process of what's called integration or reflecting on the medicine session or sessions and how it might inspire changes in their thinking or their behavior that can persist, you know, you know, long after treatment, after they walked out of the clinic.
0: Mm. It just, it seems like there's a lot of variables to consider. And with that, probably some potential challenges that clinicians and even patients may face in like the future years to come. But What are some of the challenges and obstacles of the mainstream acceptance of psychedelics as medicine? Because I feel like it's still kind of taboo if you were just to ask someone, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So in parallel with all of the major strides that scientists and clinicians are making in this renaissance, um, some main challenges and obstacles in the mainstream acceptance of psychedelics as medicine that clinicians and scientists are trying to overcome include a lot of regulatory and legal barriers. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the fact that our clinical research at present is still limited, you know, the Renaissance started in 2010 yeah. and we're trying to make up for all that lost time, but there's definitely a long way to go. And additionally, there still is a lingering stigma associated with these substances, you know, um, you drop the word psychedelic or shroom or LSD mm-hmm. and, you know, you never really know how it's going to be received in a room. Yeah. But but hopefully radio shows like this can really dispel some of that uneasiness and even fear.
0: For sure. For sure. Um, you briefly mentioned some of kind of like the legal barriers that are faced. Um, But can you tell us a little bit more about maybe the current regulatory landscape for psychedelics in maybe the U.S. and around the world and possibly like how can that change in the future?
1: Yeah, that's a complex and ever-changing topic. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's in flux at all times. Uh, Currently in the United States, psychedelics are classified as Schedule 1. Schedule 1. Yeah, Schedule 1 Controlled Substances by the DEA. Okay. Then the DEA is the Drug Enforcement Administration. And this means that they're, one, illegal to use, um, illegal to possess, and illegal to distribute. Okay. Um, but there are some exceptions for research and therapeutic use. Okay. Um, so as far as, like, other places around the world,
0: is this something that's similar or...
1: Yeah, in other countries, including Canada or even Portugal, um, psychedelics have a more permissive legal status.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, and additionally, there's a growing interest in reclassifying these substances in the United States Mm -hmm. um, to allow their use in therapeutic context. Um, Several cities and states like Oregon and Colorado um, are already in progress or already have moved to decriminalize the possession oh, wow. of certain psychedelics for clinical and research purposes. And you might be seeing stuff like that on the news yeah, like, every sure. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, but ultimately, that's pretty much driving these new scientific ideas that have these potential benefits for some of these substances and treating them um, in a range of mental health disorders. Like I feel like I feel like this is really becoming a a hot topic for a good reason because there's such value in the outcome for sure. Um, but I ultimately was curious um, where all this is pointed. Like, what is the future of psychedelics in medicine and therapy? Like, what's the ultimate end goal for this, do you think?
1: Yeah, Kendra, that's something I think about every day, I think, and the future of psychedelics and medicine and therapy looks bright. It's promising. Um, there's a growing body of research which supports their use in treating mental health conditions. And um, there's new studies, results coming out from studies every single day. And mm-hmm. uh, it really gets my mind, you know, mind moving. And I'm mm-hmm. just really eager to hear about, you know, all the progress. But more research and larger, larger clinical trials are definitely needed to better understand their safety and efficacy. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to move too fast. Right. We really want to understand um, the properties of these compounds in treating mental health uh, conditions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, more research is needed so that we can help provide facts and just help psychedelics gain a wider acceptance to, you know, the larger audience. And as for the end goal, I really don't think I'm alone in thinking that it's to provide individuals struggling with severe mental health conditions some hope. Like yeah, researchers and clinicians owe it to people. Agreed. Well, thank you so much. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Yeah, this was great, Kendra. Thanks so much for joining us and. Getting your weekly dose of facts about the current state of the psychedelic renaissance.
0: We hope that you found this trip with the Chemical Collective informative and thought-provoking. Until next time, stay curious.
1: Run for them life. When I step into the jungle. Said they want to group up. They better move up. Never gonna win a Royal Rumble. But when I come for you know what I love to. I send shots for your team and leader. I'm a good